hiding place, a hiding place. And so we've been in this series called The Hiding Place, and this was birthed out of Psalms 91. And in Psalms 91, 1 and 2, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress and my God in whom I trust. Hiding place. This was birthed through our team of thinking about how we all need a hiding place. We all need a hiding place, and when we're too tough and too good at life to not recognize we need a hiding place, we wind up hiding somewhere we shouldn't be hiding. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we, as Christ followers, need to realize, hey, I'm not that tough. I need a hiding place. So all throughout the Old Testament, God gives us these covenant names. And you should have found a card around you somewhere. If you already got one, if you want another one, take it. Two weeks left in the series. We still have a bunch of these cards. If somebody can't come on Sunday, send them one. If you've got a family member somewhere that would benefit from this, mail them one. Put one at your office. Put one in the bathroom, wherever. But we, all through the Old Testament, we get these covenant names of God. And so here's a picture that we get from God of how I want you to know me. So for parents in here right now, if you could say, if you could give the top eight of how you want your kids to remember you or know you, what would those words be? And I promise you that if you go into the covenant names of God, you're going to hit a few of those. And so then you, you get into this idea of a covenant, and a covenant defined is a con. Go ahead. A contract in the Bible, an agreement between God and his people in which God makes promises to his people. So we have a covenant God, and a covenant God has made a contract with his people in the Bible, and that contract states all of these things about God. And so God is not a man that he should lie, so we can, we can bet the bank on the fact that God is going to come through with being who he said he would be, Right? And, and, and so you take that in hiding place. And this is the last week that the fort will be up here because um, something like Rocktober is happening this week. They make, they're making us take it down. You want to fight back? You want to rebel? No, I'm just kidding. Those teenagers are way more important than we are. Yeah, I'm serious. So, so anyway, we built this fort because I can remember growing up in the sense of hiding out places, whether things got rough at home or, you know, just needing a place to hide. And we, we all hide in different places. But I can remember my brother and I going and hiding in forts that we built, just hiding out like nobody knew we were there. And it was awesome. We all need a safe place. And so, so we look at, we, and we, we went through a lot of these covenant names and then you get to a place where you realize, okay, this is, what, this is who God said he was. Then you come into the New Testament. And so you got 400 and some years, and God's like, I will do, I'm your sanctifier, I'm your righteousness, I'm your peace, I'm your provider, I'm your healer. I'm, boom, I'm your banner, all the way down through there. And then Jesus shows up. And every covenant name of God, and I'm sorry if I'm boring some of you that actually attend church every week. Every covenant name of God comes to fruition in Jesus Christ. So then Jesus comes to this earth, and at that point, like, God becomes flesh, dwells among us, and here we have, here we have this amazing Savior. 
and that every covenant name of God is fulfilled in Jesus. So if, if you think about it just for a second, so, so the covenant names of God, and then let's look, Jehovah-Rohi, my shepherd. Jehovah-Rohi, my shepherd. So this is one of the covenant names of God, and this is one of the funnest messages I've ever preached, and, and a very touching to have to process through this idea of a God who wants to be our shepherd. A God who wants to be our shepherd. We find this, obviously, in Psalms 23. Shepherd defined, you can go back, I'm sorry. Shepherd defined to guide or direct in a particular direction. To guide or direct in a particular direction. So here we have a God that wants to be with us so much. He comes to the point where he actually wants to do everyday life with us. He wants to guide us and he wants to direct us. Wow. We find it in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 23 verse 1. And so you, you get this idea of a God that loves us so much, he wants to take care of us. So I got a shepherd staff here. It's really cool, actually. It's nice. Almost like the tree house. Because we got to get rid of that today. Killing me. Killing me, Waddy. Here we go. So, so you think about a shepherd, and, and I want you to walk through this message with me because there's a lot of scripture, but I want you to walk through it with the analogy of God wants to be our shepherd. And so if you've ever been around sheep, sheep stink, right? And most of you are like, I've never been around a sheep before in my life. Take it from me. They stink, right? And they're dumb, and I love the fact that God continually in the Bible calls us his sheep. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, and, and we'll see that over and over. And, and so, but the shepherd staff, the shepherd staff, and don't forget to draw the connection between us being God's own flock, God being our protector, our shepherd. So a shepherd staff. So a shepherd staff would hook onto the arm. And then it would just be carried, right? And then it was used for two things. Best of my ability, I can tell probably much more. Actually, it was used for other things because who created golf? <laughs> That's a boring man's game, isn't it? Because they were so bored watching sheep, they just created, hey, get that rock. <laughs> Let's try to hit this anyway. Anyway. <laughs> it's so true. Um, I'm guilty. So anyway... Here, here is the crooked end of the shepherd's stick. And that was for if a sheep got in trouble, got in a thicket, fell down a well, fell, you know, because we all, we all know the scripture, he'll leave the 99 for one. And what the shepherd would do is go, and pull that sheep back up, carry it back to the flock. And then the other end was used to beat off anything that would come around that was going to harm those sheep. So you'll see me with this a couple times today uh, all throughout the message. And, and the idea of being, don't forget the analogy between us and God, sheep and a shepherd. Good? Number one, because God is our shepherd, we have everything we need. We just read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Everything I need for life and godliness is found in Jesus Christ. Everything we need for everyday life is found in this love letter that God left us in this Bible. Everything that we need is found in a relationship with Jesus. You go into Hebrews and it says it this way. 
13, 20, and 21. And don't lose me because there's some, some language in here that may, if you, you know, may mess you up a little bit. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Now, if you're not accustomed to church, you might look at that and go, oh, wow, you got blood, you got eternal, you got covenant, you got dead. You got, yeah, I'm not familiar with this. Focus on this with me just for a second. Now may the God of peace, the great shepherd, the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant. So now we're back to covenant. Now we're back to a place of the covenant was sealed up when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. So God made covenant with us out from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Now you've got God sending his only son. And through what Jesus did on the cross, the covenant is sealed. It's stamped. The veil breaks, and, and humanity now has a way back into God's presence. And now, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying, back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Here's the deal. I'm one of those sheep. And we don't like that, do we? We don't like someone having ownership over us. America doesn't teach us that. Now, don't you tell me what to do. I mean, it's so true, though. But yet, here, here we have God saying, and I want you to hear this, not in a controlling way, in the sense of you better or I will hurt you, in a sense of, I love you so much, and I know everything, and I want to help you. I want to help you. So we, we lack nothing with this. So to equip you with every good work for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We lack nothing. We lack absolutely nothing. Because we have a Savior that did everything. Some of you in this room right now, you know God's called you to do something. Maybe witness to somebody at work. Maybe to start a book club. Maybe to start a Bible study. Maybe to start a life group. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to like go to a foreign country. <clears throat> maybe God's ca- calling you to work in the nursery. <laughs> That's a foreign country right there, buddy. <laughs> Try it out. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Not yet. I'm good. So, um, but, but here's, here's the idea. A lot of times, we, we don't think that we're equipped to do the things God's calling us to do, and we get nervous about them, and we just kind of shy away from them. And I mean, I, I love, uh, Dr. Roden's one of my mentors, and he uses the word framework a lot. And he was raised without a dad, and we finally thought he found his dad. You should read his book. It's awesome. We finally thought he found his dad. It wasn't really his dad. And then the other person that wasn't supposed to be his dad was his dad. Long story short, he always says, I had no framework to be a dad. I just didn't have a... And, and he had kids, right? And, and so the framework that we have to work with going forward has to be defined by what Jesus Christ did for us. And Hebrews 13, 21 says, equip you with every good, everything good for doing his will. You can be a good parent. 
And if you don't feel like you have the framework to be a good parent, there's plenty of resource and we will get you some to help you be a good parent. You can be a good husband. And if you don't feel like you can because you, you watched your parents' marriage fall apart, we can help. Framework. And that framework is based in scriptures like this that say, hey, we got everything we need. Everything we need because we have the good shepherd. We have the good shepherd that's taking that staff and going, Jason, don't do that. <laughs> and then sometimes, Jason, don't do that. I mean, it's so true. And so the idea of framework and in speaking of the great shepherd is an amazing thing to explore in your own spiritual journey. Don't whine. Don't complain. Yes, most of us had some kind of wacky upbringing because guess what? We were raised by humans. Right? I mean, once I realized how messed up I was, I started praying for my kids more every day. <laughs> you know, it's just like none of, in, in no parent's perfect. But, but the framework, knowing God, we don't lack anything. There's nothing that we lack. The Holy Spirit can bring alive gifts in you, talents in you, and you, it, it's just amazing, and that's part of the journey. Number two, because God is our shepherd, we have peace. Psalms 23, peace keeps cropping up here in all these names. Psalms 23, 2, in the first part of verse 3, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I love the word refreshes. We'll get to that in a minute. A long time, this verse has been called the funeral verse, and I get that. It's comforting. There's so much more here because David's writing this, and he's not dead. He's hiding out in caves. He's getting chased by somebody who wants to cut his throat. He is, he's like full-on wilderness time, right? And so now you got, so he makes me lie down in green pastures. Don't forget the analogy between the great shepherd and the sheep. So I've got this God that says, hey, Jason, go lie down in that luscious. Because sheep won't eat dead stuff. They're very pure animals. They're only going to eat vegetation that's alive. You've got to play all this in. Come on. And so now they're getting guided by the great she- the, the shepherd into a green pasture. So get this, this mentality in your head of, oh. Green pasture, right? Peace. So now, now the sheep are eating. Green pasture. Peace comes through knowing God, and knowing God comes through the Word of God. The Word of God. I mean, think about it just for a second. Think, this is, to me, this is such an analogy for your quiet time. He leads me beside quiet waters. Like, hey, come on. Look, we can't drink out of that river. I um, took my son on a senior trip a couple years ago to Colorado. I love Colorado. It's beautiful. And so we, we explored and hiked. And I mean, we were there five days, and I think we slept two hours. It was awesome. But, we, we, but, but there are these rivers there. And so we went white water rafting, you know, which I think is just, I mean, if God ever lets me retire, which I doubt I will, I'm, I'm going to preach from a white water raft. We're going to Jesus said, it was awesome. You, and so we were in a raft one day, and Dylan, Dylan looked at me and goes, man, I'm so thirsty, because it's hard work, right? And it was the end of May, and I, I'm like, yeah, me too. 
and we're in the middle of the pristinest water, if that's a word, that you could ever, I mean, you know, according to Cure, was it Coors Beer Company? That's where, yeah. But like this water's rolling over rocks, and it, but it's rolling so fast, there's no way you could drink it. There's no way that you could get down in that water. I mean, you could die, right? I mean, and you could get really cold, but you could, the water's coming from the snow that's coming from the mountains and these, but here's what the good shepherd does when we give him time. Green pastures. Hey, Jason, come here. I know you got a lot going on today. Go over there by that quiet, still water. Because over there in that quiet, still water, you can drink of living water. You can drink of that living water, and it's going to refresh your soul. Oh, man. Woo. It's the third service. I I mean, I want to preach again. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, no, listen, 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 listen. If, if I never do anything else for you, can I encourage you? And if you have people in your life, a, spirit, a sphere of influence that you're discipling, or you got guys or women in your life that you're responsible for, or you lead a life group, or you teach a class, can I tell you one of the most important things that you can do is ask them, hey, what are you reading? Hey, what book of the Bible are you in? Because we can get so busy of doing things for God that we just forget to be with God. And, and this, this right here, I, I hope maybe you'll see it in a different light. Spending time with God is not a hassle. It may cost you some sleep. You hear me? It may cost you some sleep. But think about all the things you do in your life that cost you sleep. Think about it for a second. Maybe you hunt. Maybe you fish. Maybe you golf. Maybe you play sports. Maybe you work out. Think about all the things, and think about that one thing that refreshes your soul. Get in the Word of God. Lay down in this green pasture every day, and then allow Him to lead you beside that living water, and then come out of that time. Even if you had to get up 30 minutes earlier or stay up 30 minutes later, come out of that time, and the Bible promises us that He's going to refresh your soul. And that soul is the most important thing. That's our heartbeat, right? That's, that's who we are. That's what gets weary. That's, that's that thing where we have to take care of our soul. We've got to take care of that inner person. We have to take, because if we don't, we wind up hiding somewhere we shouldn't be hiding, and we get in trouble. Wow. He refreshes our soul through that. Keep going, Kim. If you, you, if you look at it this way, John 10, 11 through 15, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when, the, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. So I've got peace. So I'm spending time with God. My soul is refreshed. Now watch this. This is, and then all hell breaks loose in my life. Everything goes sideways, Right? Do I have a shepherd that's a hired shepherd that is going to run when things in my life go crazy? Or do I have one that loves me so much he's going to lay down at the gate of the, the, the sheep pen? See, the hired, the hired guy, and that's, that's what Jesus is trying to get across. He's like, look, I didn't have to do this. 
I, I did it because my father wanted me to do it. You are my sheep. I am your shepherd. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to do what God told me to do. If you study sheep in, in this context, you know, we always think about a sheep pen and you think about wood. Well, there are very few things built of wood back in, in that day. And you say, well, I thought Jesus, Joseph was a carpenter. Yeah, car- the word carpenter also translates into a stonemason. Well, a lot of things are made out of stone then because that's what there was most of. And so <clears throat> here, we have, here we have this idea. So the shepherd would go to the green pasture, go to the quiet water, and it was time to go to bed. He would, he would lead the sheep into the backside, most of the time the backside of a mountain. So now you have this mountain that's protecting you. And then look for an opening to get through the cliff to the inner inside of the meadow. Y'all with me? Look, you're not near as hot as I am. Come on. So, and then what the shepherd would do, once he had all the sheep in the sheep pen, he'd lay down. And you know where he would lay down? At the opening that he brought the sheep through. He'd lay, he'd lay down. This is so lovingful, lovingful, powerful. I mean, this is amazing. This is what God does for us. He would lay down right at where the sheep had been brought in as to say, if anybody wants one of these sheep, see, this isn't the hired hand. This is the great shepherd. If anybody wants to get, kind of like a, a dad or a mom that would say, if you want my kids, you're going to have to come over me. Period. He would lay down, and that, that's the great shepherd. We don't have a shepherd that gave up on us. We don't have a shepherd that's going to run away. We don't have a shepherd that gives up on us. Verse 13 through 15 says this, The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Wow. Jesus is saying, look, this is what I'm going to do for you. Now think about this. Go back to Psalms 23. Don't go back, Kim, but I'm just saying you, you think about David writing this. What, did, what was David's main job? Are you serious? Huh? He was at, thank you, sweetie. You just want to have church with me? We can just hang out right here. Yeah. What, okay, when Samuel came to town to anoint the next king, where was David? Watching sheep. All right, I can tell him how to do this on my own. You guys. So anyway, so, so you get this analogy back going back to Psalms of someone who understood what it was to take care of sheep. So he's out watching his dad's sheep, and, and he's like, you know what? If something happens to one of these sheep, my dad is going to be very upset. Such an unbelievable analogy of God sending Jesus to this earth to take care of us and God, Jesus saying, not my will, but your will be done, because I'm trying to take care of your sheep, Dad, and I'm, I'm going to finish the race. Wow. So the idea being that we lack nothing, we don't have to fear, and we have the great shepherd. Next thing. God shepherds us by guiding us on the right path for his glory. Psalms 23, second part of verse 3. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. I love this, because what if it was written like this? Because this is how we all would want it to be written. He guides me along the right path for my name's sake. Think about it. 
Think about how we pray sometimes. Oh, God, this business venture is very lucrative. And I just know that I know that I know that I know you want to bless me. And I know. So I'm asking you to guide me in the right way. I'm asking you to guide me in the right way. And I know that way. That way is the way it's going to turn out where I'm super, super, super blessed. Just letting you know. Don't we pray that way sometimes, right? And we're even stupidly taught to pray that way, no? He guides me along the right path for whose, whose name's sake? His. So that I can have a testimony that speaks to his glory. So that I can have a longevity in life that speaks to his goodness. So that I can leave a destiny or leave a legacy. Because here's the thing. You gotta, there are forks in the road everywhere you turn in life. Are we really stopping to think and ask God, Lord, which way should I go? Not for my own sake, because you're the great shepherd. And, and it, perhaps maybe I go down that road, and you're going to have to use this end of the staff at some point and go, dummy, come here. You get what I'm saying? It is such a beautiful picture of God and him wanting to be our shepherd. And, and then, you know, you're... you're he guides me along the right path for his namesake. At this stage of my life, I've never been more focused on wanting to finish the race. I want to finish the race. I want, I mean, I got a grandkid coming. So, yeah, no skydiving anytime soon, right? I've been told by Chelsea. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. Here's how you have longevity in life. You go to the green pasture. You drink of the living water. And then you ask daily, God, what should I do in this situation? Are we going to miss it sometimes? Absolutely. Do we ever all get it right all the time? No. Nah. But I will tell you this. You got a really good percentage rate if you would allow the great shepherd to be the great shepherd and just ask. Just ask. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Young people in this room, teenagers, one of the greatest things you can do is you can begin right now in your life to ask God about certain situations in your life because he cares. He cares. Sometimes you might feel like your parents don't care. They do. But God, God's always attentive. And so, and he will lead your life. He will lead you in the right paths. And it's a, it's a, a magnificently great way to live. Go to number four, Kim. Because God is our shepherd, we do not need to fear. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So again, you get this picture of these sheep who've been herded in, and now you've got a shepherd laying at the gate, saying, if you want to get to them, you've got to come past me. I have to think that if they've eaten, they've had something to drink, and they know they have a good shepherd that knows them all by name, Right? I mean, think about, what would you name sheep? I said that in the first service. I was like Bocephus. And Anthony goes, Fluffy? <laughs> no, that's not where I was going, but it's awesome. <laughs> so so now, <clears throat> now you got, so now you get this huge picture. Watch this. You get this huge picture of all of these sheep laying down in peace. And sleeping, just sleeping, because they know that they have a good shepherd who's at the gate watching out for them. 
Nothing, nothing would bother me more when my kids were little for them to be scared. It just it would drive me crazy because, you know, that's my job. That's, that's my job to make sure that they understand that it, it, no, nothing is going to happen to you, right? Nothing is going to happen to you. And God's saying, listen, guys, I'm sleeping at the gate of humanity. The cross did it. Here, and so the shepherd's laying there. And so here are these sheep just sleeping away. Because God is our shepherd, we don't need to fear. You don't have to fear situations or things in your life. You got to assess them. You got to think about them. You got to analyze them. You got to look at them. Most of all, you got to pray over them. But you don't have to fear them. And here, to me, it's just so beautiful that God wants to be me called Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. He wants to be that one that God leads and directs us. He wants to be that one that leaves the 99 to find the one. He wants to be that one that says, hey, you're caught in a thicket of life. Let me pull you back. He wants to be that one that says, you're acting like an idiot. Come here. I'll poke you a little bit. So, so the idea, because God is our shepherd, we do not need to fear. So if you have fear in your life today, could you just possibly, maybe at some point this week, maybe you have problems sleeping. I got people in my life that have problems sleeping. Maybe you could just think about that analogy. If you got kids that have a hard time sleeping, maybe you could just say, go in their room, say, sweetie, honey, boy, whatever. Um, yeah, I was about to say dog. <laughs> I don't care if he sleeps. Just say, hey, look, we have a great shepherd. I'm going to take care of you, but more than that, we have a great a shepherd of all shepherds. And in our adult life, watch this. When we fear, we buck up. When we buck up, we forget to hide in God. When we forget to hide in God, at some point we hide somewhere else and doing something else. And it never, ever, ever turns out good. Last thing. If you're serving communion, would you go right now, quick, fast, run? Yep, go. Yeah, all right. Good job. God, as our shepherd, has provided an an eternal destiny of peace. Psalms 23, verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So now we're talking about a daily hiding place where... We're realizing that his rod and staff are going to comfort me in my times of trouble. And then we fast forward to this whole idea of even in the face of my enemies. God, even in the face of my enemies, you're preparing a table right before me. When I was in youth ministry, we did this illustrated sermon one time. Anthony reminded me of this after the first service. This is years and years ago. And we had this... I was preaching on Psalms 23. We had this massive table, right? And it was decked out. It was like prom night decked out. It was awesome. Candles and everything. And so back, <clears throat> way back, way back when I was a sinner, I used to eat Taco Bell a lot. Anybody? He's so lie. What about crystals? White Castle? Yeah. The rest of you are just saints, I guess. I don't know. But um, those seem to be the places that were open like at 2 a.m. So that's just what you hit up. So, yeah, well, that Chili's wasn't even around. So anyway, so we had this really nice thing set up. And so I was preaching out of this verse. And so I, I brought 
I brought, I brought Taco Bell out. Bam, right on the table. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Junior high boys are like, can I have that? Can I have that Enchirita? Anyway, but I talked about how Taco Bell can have an adverse effect on your gut at certain times. Right? Taco Bell mess you up. Yes, in many different ways. Yes, it will. And so, guys, in my wise years, that's why I don't eat it anymore. But um, at least not where anybody can see me. <laughs> I was trying to get across the point of, hey, God wants to give us peace. And it's not only a peace on this earth. It's, a, it's an eternal peace. So here's David. He's getting chased. And he's saying, look, you already prepared a table for me. In other words, I can sit down and have a, have a meal in the face of my enemies. I don't have to worry about today. I don't have to fear. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. In other words, in the New Testament, this would be the Holy Spirit, and this would be abundance. My, my cup overflows. And again, it goes back to the green pasture. It goes back to this idea of still quiet waters. It goes back. And so this whole analogy of the shepherds being worked in, and so you go from that, and then go to verse 6. So that's here, and then there. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. If you've ever seen a shepherd with a bunch of sheep, they follow. That's what they do. They herd them. They herd. It's like, hey, get back over there, Fluffy. Get back over there, Bocephus. I like that one best. Get, get, get back over there. And, and they just move sheep to the green pastures, to the quiet waters, to the pen that's going to keep them safe at night. That's our great shepherd. And so if we're the sheep and he's the great shepherd, then what, what he's doing is like, hey, Jason, get back over here. We're going somewhere. Get back over here. And how, how can I be, how can I have so much faith in where I'm going Speaking of heaven, because his goodness and love, and some versions say mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. He is never going to give up on me. He's never going to give up on you. You need to hear that. There's not one person in this room that God's ever have one thought about giving up on. Ever, ever, ever. And some of us have been in some pretty gnarly situations. And, and we would look back on those and go, God, you should have gave up on me. Probably should, have, probably should have just cashed in the chips on somebody else and maybe they would have made it better. God's like, nope, ain't giving up on you. Ain't going to do it. Nope, I love you too much. And my love is following you. My goodness is following See, that, that's, why, that's what God's trying to get us to understand in these covenant names is this is who I am to you. He's trying to say, I am good to you. I want to be good to you. He's trying to say, look, here's the deal. My mercy, my love, want to follow you all the days of your life. And if you'll let me, I'll keep nudging you left to right to left to right. He's like a parent. Parenting is much like playing soccer. You got to keep the ball on the field. And so everyone, and get in the goal every once in a while, right? Which doesn't happen a lot. It's kind of (laughs) boring. But, but you, you, you know, parenting is like this. The ball starts getting out of bounds. Got to kick it back in. Say, hey, buddy. Hey, you're getting a little crazy there. Let's not, let's don't do that. God, that's what shepherding is. And then where does that lead? 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And isn't that the goal? Isn't that, I mean, isn't that the, the eyes on the prize? I don't know if you guys remember that, that keep your eyes on the prize. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal for ourselves and everyone that we love and everyone God brings across our path? It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, which in, in lieu of that relationship, we then have a relationship with God because the Bible says no one comes to God except through the Son. And if we would have a willing spirit, this is something God's working on me huge right now. If we would have a willing, how many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you just love to have a willing spirit? Uh-uh. Unless you're doing something you really, really, really like to do? No. No. We, we just don't have a willing spirit. Yeah, God, you want me to fast for four days? Sure. Woo-hoo. Woo. No. No. Doesn't go that way. But the great shepherd's saying, hey, if you'll just give me something to work with, if you'll give me some moldable clay, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to nudge you. I'm going to tap you. Every once in a while, I'm going to have to pick you up and put you on my shoulders. Times get rough. But the idea is that we wind up with God one day forever and ever and ever. Goal. So maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know that I have peace with God because I've never put my faith in Jesus. The Bible says the only way we have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. Salvation is simply a faith issue. It's about you putting your faith in Jesus Christ and saying in your own heart, yeah, I, I get this. I finally believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is born of a virgin. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he, he rose from the grave after the third day. Maybe that's you today. We're about to have communion. We have an open communion today. Uh, every, every time we have a communion, we have an open communion. We just ask that you do some personal assessment of your own heart. And can I just throw this in there? Please don't talk during while you're being served communion. It's a reverent time. It's a time where you just need to get along with God. And there might be somebody next to you that's really trying to deal with God. So just be quiet as you're served. But, but maybe that's you. And, and the other thing about communion is, you know, you need to have put your faith in Jesus. And no one can do that for you. No one can do that for you. That's your faith. You have to do that on your own. That's between you and God. Because no one else is going to stand beside you when you're standing before God. It's one of those deals. It's like, hey, this is up to me. So maybe you're like a bunch of people in the first and second services and say, I need to make that decision. I really do. Man, what a great day to do that. What a great day. We bow your head all over this place before we serve. You say, Jason, that's me. I, I, need, I need to put my faith in Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray with you just right there where you're sitting, right where you're sitting, right before we have communion. Would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? Yeah, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. Thanks. I see your hand. Thank you. Just put it right back down. Yep, that's awesome, man. That's, that's amazingly awesome. Look, if you raised your hand, let me pray with you. And then when church is over, go out to the tent, grab a Bible, a devotion. If you're a shy person, don't really feel like doing that, you can email startingpoint at thecoastlinechurch.com and a pastor will get back with you. There's a class that goes on during the 10 o'clock service in the kitchen. You can attend that and uh, just kind of get your feet 
on some solid ground. We, we are here to help you in your new decision. But if you raised your hand, just, just pray, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my great shepherd. And thank you today that you've given me the realization that you're, you're not after me to hurt me. You're after me to protect me. And so right now, I'm taking my faith and my belief, and, and I'm confessing in my heart, I believe that Jesus Christ is born of a virgin. I believe he is the Messiah. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin to the cross. I believe he was placed in a grave, and I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And right now, thank you for making me into a new creation. Give me the boldness to go to the tent and or send an email to get into a life group, to go to a class next week. Lord, give me that boldness. But most of all, thank you for your forgiveness in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, hang on to that communion we'll all take together.